my name is Gabby and welcome to my podcast Above and Beyond Surviving. Before we hop into today's episode, I just finished editing this and there are some parts of this episode that can be a little triggering to some people. And so in the description of this episode, I did put in timestamps to where you might want to skip if you have dealt with similar things and you find that that might be triggering towards you. I still appreciate your support and I'm so thankful that you're here listening, but if you have to skip those parts, I totally understand because it is a hard subject to talk about. But other than that, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited you decided to join me again this week and I'm even more excited because I get to start the journey of the actual content I want to produce. I know last week was a little bit more boring or on the boring side in my opinion because it was just all this introductory stuff that I wanted to get through because I wanted to let you know what it's all about in just a brief intro. But now I'm actually starting on my content and I cannot be more excited. I'm going to start with, uh, with my personal journey because I always like to hear what other people are going through because sometimes it might resonate with you and you're like wait a minute they also struggle with this you know I'm not the only one and that kind of just gives you a sense of comfort and so that's what I'm hoping I can um, give you guys through this episode I hope someone out there will definitely be feeling that feeling because if you ever have had that feeling you know it's one of the best feelings in the world to know that you're not alone And like I've told you guys in the last podcast is that you're not alone, but it sometimes just feels like you are. And so I'm hoping this kind of gets rid of that feeling. So I recently came to the realization that I have been dealing with mental health issues my entire life. And I know that sounds kind of weird because I am 20 years old and I am now just realizing that I have struggled with mental health. But what I think I've come to the consensus of is that in high school, in middle school and all that, I was happy, I felt great, I was a high achieving student, all that. So like that wasn't the typical, you know, you got mental health issues, that you have depression or you have anxiety, that's not the typical symptoms of it. But then I started thinking about like, oh, I did have symptoms of it. I just didn't show them to the entire world, which a lot of people don't. A lot of people in your life, you don't even know struggle with mental health because they kind of keep it behind closed doors. Because in the society, mental health is very stigmatized and it's seen as a weakness and it should not be that because there are so many people, majority of people struggle with this, especially in today's society with social media and the COVID, and it's just, it's just crazy. I actually recently began thinking about when did I show symptoms? Like, where did I show symptoms growing up? Like, what kind of symptoms did I have? And there are a few examples that I came up with, and one of them would be if my mom and dad were out and about grocery shopping or something like that, and I was just left at home alone when I was probably like 12, 13, 14, that age, And they were like, okay, we'll be home in an hour or we'll be home in an hour and a half. I would make sure I'd watch the clock to make sure that they were home on time. And if they weren't on home on time, like they said they were going to be, I would instantly begin thinking, oh my God, they're like dead in a car crash or 
oh my gosh, there's something wrong. There's something that happened when really they were just running a little bit late or something held them up. And so that's not necessarily something that everyone else does, which I didn't know that, but that was just one of my first signs of anxiety that I can remember. And then as I got into high school, I started this thing called catastrophizing. And so I didn't even know there was a term for this before I started going to therapy recently. And catastrophizing is something that I've struggled with for a long time. And it's just when I tell you and give you an example, you're going to be like, wow, like how do you like what? It sounds so weird because it sounds weird to someone else. And it sounds weird to me when I'm not in the moment of catastrophizing. But like in the moment when I'm doing it, it's like, wait, this is actually how I feel. This is what I'm thinking. This is like how it's going to be. And so what happens when I catastrophize is I'll start by, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail this exam. Let's just use this example because this is what happens most of the time when I start catastrophizing. So I'll start off by like, oh, I'm going to fail this organic chemistry exam. We'll use that because this is a perfect example of what I actually struggled with this past semester. So I'm going to fail my organic chemistry exam. And then if I fail my organic chemistry exam, I'll fail the class. And then if I fail the class, I won't make it into medical school. But medical school is something I've always dreamed about. And now I don't know what I want to do with my life. So I'm just not going to have a job. And then I'm not going to have a job. So I'm not going to make any money. And I'm not going to make any money. So I'm not going to be able to afford a family or a house. And so if I can't afford a family or a house, then I'm just going to be homeless. So my question is, and what my therapist asked me was, how did it go from failing an organic chemistry exam to you're going to be homeless? And this is going to sound kind of funny, but we were able to have a sheet where we could put any information we wanted on it for the exam and bring it with us in there. So like stuff we struggle with remembering, we could bring in there with us and have at our side while we took the exam. And so I literally wrote on the top of my that paper, I wrote, I will not be homeless in all caps. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I probably looked at that like five times during that exam. But my therapist actually gave me the idea of doing that. And I don't know, I hope it gave someone a laugh at the end of the day. Like I hope one of the TAs grading that exam read, I will not be homeless because you know what? Organic chemistry is a struggle, and I hope they realize that, but oh my gosh. But then, like, later in life, like, once I got to college in my sophomore year, I started having panic attacks, and those were caused by multiple things, but I didn't realize I had actually had panic attacks before those, like, when I was younger, and because I never knew what a panic attack was, and so... When I was trying to recall my first panic attack, I actually was able to, and I realized when my grandfather passed away unexpectedly while I was in Hawaii with my family, which that that was very difficult thing for me to process because I went on this fun vacation, but my grandfather's sick. I know he's sick, but I didn't know to the extent of how sick he was, and then we fly back home, we get off the plane, and two hours before that, he had passed away. And that was one of the worst moments of my entire life. I had left Wisconsin to go to Hawaii with a grandfather. I gave him two big hugs. I remember it to this day. And then I come back and now he's just gone. He's never coming back. 
And I remember just crying through the airport, bawling my eyes out. And then we went outside, my dad and I, to wait for the shuttle. And I started hyperventilating. And I just didn't realize I was having a panic attack at the time. I just thought I was super upset, all that. But, like, I couldn't deal with what was going on. I couldn't cope. So my body went into flight mode. I started hyperventilating. My dad was trying to get me to breathe, but I just couldn't calm down no matter how hard I tried because in my mind, it was such a shock that my grandfather was no longer here as it would be to anyone, but I just couldn't deal with the thought that I would never get to see him again. I never got to say goodbye and everything that comes along with it, especially also because death is one of the hardest things for me. Like, I've always struggled with death. I've always been afraid of dying. I've always been afraid of other people dying and it will always be a fear of mine, but for it to come up unexpectedly like that on me, I just could not cope. So after that, flash forward a couple years, that happened when I was a junior in high school. So a couple years later, I started college at UW-Madison and I was doing great. Like I was, it was awesome. First semester went like the best I could have ever imagined. I had so much fun. Uh, but also took my studies seriously, of course. But then second semester rolled around. This is 2020, by the way. And within a month, I lost my great-grandma. I was sexually assaulted. And then all of a sudden, we were being sent home because of the pandemic. That was a lot for me to deal with at one time. It felt like the whole universe was out to get me. I was like, what else can go wrong in this very moment in my life? I don't have someone I love in my life anymore. I was violated in a way that I never thought would happen to me. And now this weird pandemic that no one knows what's going to happen with it, it has arisen. And it's just like, huh, my brain didn't know what to do. And at the time, I didn't realize I put it on a back burner and just like try to push it down but now I realize I just kind of like pushed it down pushed it down pushed everything down oh my great-grandma died let's push that down I was assaulted let's push it down now we have COVID let's push it down and then all of a sudden it gets to be too much and like I think my brain was like Gabby you can't handle this anymore because then once school started again I would be stressed out about that but then it would bring up the other issues I was dealing with So after I was assaulted, I tried therapy because when that happened to me, which I'll go into it on that episode, I wasn't really physically struggling at all, but I was very much struggling mentally. And the reaction I got from the UHS, which is our university health services, was not the best, and I'll go into it on another episode. Um, But I basically had to beg for mental help. I had to beg them. They were like, well, do you want an STD test? Do you want this or that? And I was like, no, I just need to talk to someone because I can't deal with this. Like, I was crying and they just kind of looked at me and just kept asking me if I wanted an exam, if I wanted all of that. And I was like, no, I just want to talk to a therapist. Like, I just need someone to talk to that doesn't know me, that I can just say whatever to, say exactly how I'm feeling. Someone that's trained to do this, I need to talk to them. And then finally... That same day, they set me up with someone, and I did not have a good first impression of therapy at all, in my opinion. I felt like when I'd go there, she would just look at me. She wouldn't give me any advice. I'd be like, oh, what am I going to do if I see this guy? 
which I did like two or three weeks later. I, after starting therapy, I saw him in the street and I instantly had a panic attack and I, I had addressed that fear with her and she did not give me any advice on how I can cope with it or what I would do. And in result, I ended up having a panic attack and who knows, I probably would have had a panic attack anyways, but it would have been nice to have those tools to have calmed down. And then all of a sudden we got sent home for COVID and we were going to start doing telehealth. But, you know, when we got sent home, I was like, oh, good. I don't have a chance of ever seeing this guy again in my entire life. So I think I'm fine. I'm coping with it. It's whatever. I don't need therapy anymore. And so I quit therapy. That was only after a month I was assaulted. And I know that was a little bit too soon. Not a little bit, a lot too soon. And therapy, in order for it to work, it has to be consistent. You have to be in it. You have to do the work outside of it. And I wasn't really doing that. After we got sent home, it was about spring break time. And I went to Mexico with my family. I started my online classes there. I was doing great. I finished spring semester just fine. And I mean, it was tough adjusting to online, but all the professors were really understanding. It was honestly pretty easy and it went great. And I was just like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm at home. No one can hurt me. I have the protection of my family. There's no way anyone is going to be able to take advantage of me. Nothing bad can go wrong. All of that. Then I went to back to Madison in the fall because it was my sophomore year and I started out fine being online. I was like, okay, this is the same. But then my mental health gradually got worse because I'm a very social person and all of a sudden I couldn't be anymore because I had to stay in my house. I had to wear a mask everywhere I went. I was afraid about get, of getting COVID, not because I was going, like I thought I was going to die or anything like that. We all know like I'm young enough and healthy enough to survive that. But I was worried about spreading it to someone that I love. I was worried about being sick because then I'd have to miss out on school, like, if I was too sick to do it. or And I couldn't work if I got COVID. And I was just like, okay, so now all these stressors of school, money, and spreading it to a loved one are on my shoulders. And then on top of that, school was way harder than I ever expected it to be online especially having to be trapped in my tiny 500 square foot one bedroom apartment all day long, all night long. And all of a sudden, my space where I'm supposed to go home to and relax at the end of the night every day became a stressful zone. Like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't really eat. I would have panic attacks because my place of where I work on things, where I do school, where I work out, have to be completely separate from where I live. Otherwise, those things that cause me stress, they're just going to follow me there. And that environment is now stressful. And so I never felt like I ever was able to relax. And so I was always having anxiety attacks. I was always crying. And the amount that I cried, even up till December, like this most recent December, I thought was like what everyone does. And I like cried like every single day and I just was like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like I'm not dealing with that much. It's just, you know, it's, it's college. Like I'm just stressed out. But 
what I didn't realize is that I didn't have to go through that. Like, I don't have to cry every day. No one has to cry every day. It's not that you're sensitive or anything like that. It's just something that you can't control sometimes. And I was just like, wow, I am actually crying a ton. I'm actually sad a ton. But why can't I see that I might be struggling with something stronger? So what actually happened in spring semester of my sophomore year, so spring semester last year, is I started relying more on alcohol to forget everything I was struggling with. And I didn't really think of it that way until now, to be honest. I had thought I was just having, was having fun at the time. But now looking back at it, no, I wasn't. I would party with my friends like I normally would, you know, just have some fun. It's college. Live your life. But then I would drink a lot more than them. I would drink to the point where I'd be crying. I would drink to the point that I'd be hallucinating that my the person that sexually assaulted me was going to come get me again. It was a terrible time. And it was not a healthy relationship with alcohol at all. And that kind of took me some time to admit to myself that my behavior last year wasn't healthy. Because... It's not like I was addicted to alcohol or anything like that, but I could see how people could get addicted to alcohol if they're struggling with mental health because for me, it was an escape for a little bit. At first, it was fun when I would be drinking. I forgot everything that was going on in my brain for a little while. I could actually relax and have a good time and not be worried about everything, but then I would be like, oh... Okay, that little bit of alcohol helped me forget about everything. So let me drink a little bit more and let me drink a little bit more and let me drink a little bit more until it was way too much for my body to handle. And then all of my issues would come back up right away because I wasn't dealing with my issues while I was sober at all. My friends, I would sometimes confide in them about it, but for the most part, I would just keep it to myself. And I would just build and build and build. And then when I would drink, they would have to hear it all with me crying. And it it was embarrassing for me. And then they, they all started becoming worried for me because they're like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, I don't get why. Every time you you drink, you drink this much and then you start crying and you just can't, you just, it seems like you're struggling. And then my friends and family try to get me to go to therapy for over a year. But the thing is, I wouldn't go. I'd be like, yeah, no, I'll look into it. I'd look into it for one day and then I would be like, "Mm, no, not gonna look into it anymore. And then they would mention it again. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll look into it. Or an episode would happen again. I'd be like, yeah, I'll look into it. And then I wouldn't really try that hard. And it wasn't because I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't want to go to therapy. It was because I was scared. And that sounds kind of weird to someone that doesn't struggle with mental health issues. But going to therapy for the first time with a new therapist is scary. I've had this conversation with my sister and she feels the same way. Because you have to open up, tell someone from the beginning what happened to you, all your trauma. And that means all of the stuff resurfaces again that you have pushed down if you're like me. And you don't know how they're going to react. Like, therapists aren't there to judge you at all. They're just there to help you. And no way will they ever judge you. But 
it's just like to be that vulnerable it's like you're putting your guard down and you're afraid as to what could happen next to you now that all this stuff is resurfacing all this stuff is back out I was afraid that I was just gonna go completely off the deep end and there was no coming back Another reason why I was so hesitant into going to therapy was because I have other people in my life that struggle with mental health. And so at the time, I was like, well, I see so-and-so struggle with this and I see so-and-so struggle with that, but their issues seem to be a lot more severe than mine. And so I shouldn't really claim that I have depression or anxiety because they actually have depression and anxiety. And so like and they have way worse symptoms and they deal with it so much more than I do so I it's kind of insulting for me to admit that to anyone that I'm struggling with depression anxiety because people have it way worse out there and honestly that's the issue with today with society and one of them because I especially in the older generation like 40 to 50 maybe a little bit younger or their parents of 40 and 50 year olds you know you always would hear the story well I had to do this and this when I was growing up you know like the story of oh I had to climb the hill in snow I know I don't really know how it actually goes but you know what I'm saying because someone's always going to have it worse out there no matter what Someone will always have it worse, just like someone will always be better than you in something. But it does not diminish what you go through. And my mom has always told me that. From the time I can remember, she's always told me, it. no matter how bad someone has it, it does not diminish anything that you're going through. And although she told me that all the time, I just wouldn't accept it. Like, I'd be like, yeah, you're right, mom. That's correct. But I just truly wouldn't accept it in myself because I just cared so much about everyone else around me. And that's going to go into a people-pleasing episode that I'll talk about another time because I didn't care if I was okay. You know, these people are struggling a lot more than I am. I need to stretch myself thin in order to support them. They need me. I can't sit here and complain about what I'm dealing with. They need me. And that's just not okay. Like, it does not mean I don't struggle with depression or anxiety just because someone has more severe depression and anxiety. And that took me a long time to realize that. So at the beginning of my junior year of college, so this past fall, I made the decision that I was going to start therapy again after multiple people were like, hey, Gabby, try therapy. Hey, Gabby, try therapy. And the issue with it was, you know, I had to almost make it feel like it was my idea because I wasn't going to do it if someone else was telling me to do it because it's a weird thing in my brain, but it needed to be my idea because it needed to be when I was ready. And I'm not saying to not suggest to your friends like, hey, you should try therapy. You know, that's healthy. That's something you should do because it's helping them out by showing them that you care, but also giving them a resource that they could possibly utilize. But 
it was overwhelming when people started crowding me with, you need to go to therapy, you need to go to therapy. And I'm not blaming anyone in any way at all, but that is just why it took me so long because I had to wait until I was ready, until I felt like I was somewhat stable enough to open up about all my issues that have happened in the past and all this trauma that's going to resurface. And I finally was comfortable in the fall. And so I was trying to find an in-person therapist. Everyone was booked or they just wouldn't respond because with COVID, everyone's been needing more therapy. And so I decided to start with BetterHelp. And then eventually, if I wanted to see an in-person therapist, I could migrate to that. So now I have a therapy session about every other week with my BetterHelp therapist. And she is the best therapist I could ever ask for. BetterHelp is great. They match you with who they think is best for you based on this questionnaire. And they got it just right. She is so kind. She is so personable and easy to talk to. And she made it really easy for me to open up. And when I had my first session with her, I was like, why was I so scared of starting this? Like, this woman is so nice and so understanding, and she sees it all, and she's so supportive of me. She'll text me all the time and just be like, hey, Gabby, like, if you need anything, message me. Um, I can't wait till our next session. Um, Try this coping mechanism. Try that, because at the time when I started therapy in the fall, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna start it because, you know, this is the time when I start getting stressed out with school. You know, I'm just going to get ahead of it. So then when I start therapy in school, you know, I'll have therapy to help me get through the stressful times. And I started therapy just in time because all of a sudden all this stuff was going down in my life. And then the panic attacks started beginning. And then a new symptom that I've never really had before came up. Before, I just always thought I struggled with anxiety. But now, all of a sudden, my symptoms were turning more into depression. And I was just confused. Because, yeah, I've always been anxious. I've learned to deal with it over the years. I mean, it's still up and down. It always will be. But then, all of a sudden, I was depressed. If you ask anyone in high school, I was very happy person. There are many times when people are like, you're always happy. More than 10 people have probably said that to me. And I would just tell them, oh, you know, that's not always true. That's not always true. And then I lost that happiness completely this past semester. It went out the window. I didn't even recognize myself anymore. I wasn't this happy individual anymore. I never went to class. I didn't do well in organic chemistry at all because I put zero effort into it. I was doing everything in my power to avoid doing anything that stressed me out. I would sleep for hours if I could. I had no motivation to leave my bed. I only had motivation to leave my bed if I had to go to work because I have to be there and it's something that's part of my life. School, they don't care if you show up. They don't for the most part. They don't. So I just be like, whatever, I'll stay in my bed today again. I have been trying to figure out 
where did this transition happen? Why was I just anxious and then all of a sudden I'm now depressed? And I think what happened was my brain absolutely could not take it anymore. I had so much piled up that I was just like, okay, well, if you're not going to do anything about it, then we're just going to call it quits. We're just going to not do anything. We're not going to be ourselves anymore. We're just going to lay in our bed. And it turned into like a chemical imbalance in my brain. And that's just my own personal thought of how I transitioned into that. And that doesn't happen with everyone. A lot of people just have depression or just have anxiety or have both. And one is before the other or they both are simul- start simultaneously. But for me, that was my personal thing is I think it just got too much and my brain was like, okay, well, we're just gonna, we just can't deal with it anymore. So we're just gonna stop trying. And that was hard because before that happened, I also had other signs of it because I couldn't rely on my own, myself for my own happiness. I would only find happiness in the people around me or only find happiness in the one boy I was talking to for a month if they call me pretty. So I had no self-confidence whatsoever or no self-esteem. And that was very scary because I worked so hard to get my self-esteem up, so hard to get my self-confidence up for so many years because I always didn't like the way my body looked from the time I can remember. And then last year, I started wearing clothes I wanted to wear. I started doing whatever I wanted. I started being myself completely. No holding back. And then all of a sudden, I don't have that anymore. And I worked so hard to get there. That was a very tough pill to swallow. So when I started having symptoms of depression, I was confused because I was like, I've done everything. I've started therapy. Like, why isn't it helping me? And it is helping me and it was helping me, but it just wasn't enough. And I was just like, but I put so much effort into starting this therapy. Like, it has to be working. Like, this is what everyone told me I should do. But it still wasn't enough. And my mom started was like talking to me and she was like, hey, Gabby, like, maybe you should try medication. And although I want to be a doctor, I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to go on medication. Why? I don't know. I think I was just scared, again, because the thing is, is I didn't want to have to take this pill because I didn't really know what it would do. I didn't have control, you know, of what it would do in my body because that's another thing that comes with my anxiety is my control issues. And so I was like, no, I'm good. And then it kept getting worse, my depression. And I was like, no, I'm good. I can get through this. Like, it's just a funk. And then it just got to a point where I was was just like, I don't know if I even really want to live anymore. And I wasn't suicidal. I know that sounds weird. But, like, I didn't really see a point in living because all I did was just lay in my bed. But I would never harm myself. It was just hard. 
because I was just like, huh, I don't do anything. I don't recognize myself anymore. I was always someone that was a high achiever, would go for the stars. And now I just lay in my bed, can't do anything. So I'm not going to make it into medical school. And so like, this is where the catastrophizing starts happening more and more again. And I was just like, I just don't see myself anymore. And that was the hardest part of this entire thing. The most difficult part was losing myself. And so I made the decision myself. I made the appointment and I established a new primary care doctor and I got an antidepressants. Going to that appointment, I was so nervous. I was like, what if she doesn't think it's severe enough? But I struggle every single day. I can't keep doing this anymore. I can't keep living like this. But what if she doesn't think it's enough to give me medication? And I think this kind of stems back to when I first tried to get on medication after I was assaulted. I went there and they took my blood and they are just like, oh, you're just severely deficient in vitamin D. Start taking a vitamin D supplement. But we'll set you up with therapy because you have trauma. Never heard back about the therapy. And I started taking the supplement. Didn't really see much of a difference. So I just stopped taking it altogether. And I'm not saying vitamin D deficiency is not a cause of depression in some people. But I didn't really see a difference when I started taking the supplement. And I just kind of was like, whatever. So no one's going to help me. And I thought that was going to be the same experience that I was going to have at the doctor's office that day. I was just like, she's just going to tell me the same thing because I am vitamin D deficient. However, I went, waited in the waiting room, super nervous, got in there, did the questionnaire thing that they always have you do. That's pretty standardized. And she was super kind. And she was like, okay, yeah. She listened to me for a few minutes and she was like, yeah, we can try out some medication. It was the best feeling, honestly, because I felt like I was being heard. Before, I didn't feel that way. I just was kind of feeling like I was making excuses when the doctor told me I was just vitamin D deficient. And that definitely could be a cause of my depression still, you know, I just because I'm vitamin D deficient. But also, I think it was a little bit more this time. My symptoms have gotten worse since that doctor's appointment. And so... I felt understanded when she told me that she was going to start me on 20 milligrams of fluoxetine. And that's the type of provider I want to be one day. If someone comes to me with a mental health issue, I want them to feel understood. I don't want them to feel like I did on that first appointment because that was the worst feeling ever. It was made me feel like I was right about making it up. Like, I thought I was making it up going in like maybe I'm just being dramatic but when she said that to me like hey like well we're just vitamin d deficient then just kind of reiterated that in my brain and confirmed it and that was hard to come back from so when she put me on fluoxetine she told me about the possible side effects that I could have and I was just like great I hope I don't get any of these because if I start getting these side effects where I'm tired all the time or I'm shaky and I'm a phlebotomist and I'm poking people with needles, like, this medication isn't going to work. And I don't know if I'm going to want to try again because it's just not going to be good. And I was lucky enough that fluoxetine works for my body. I am thriving on it. I feel better than I have my entire life. 
And I'm smiling right now as I say this because I was so scared to do all these things and I'm feeling amazing. I can't even remember the last time I cried and I used to cry every day, like I said. And it's just, it's just the best feeling in the world. And so with me saying that, if you decide you want to try medication, just know the first one might not work for you. And I know you're like, wow, I just took so much energy in order to even put myself in the position to try this medication. It's not even going to work for me. But they will help you find the right one for you. If you have a good provider, which I hope to be, they will help you get to the bottom of it. They will help you find a medication that works for you. There's something out there that's that can help you. And therapy is the same way. If you want to seek therapy, there are options. But another thing that I don't like about society is the healthcare system. And it's kind of difficult for me as a future doctor because I want to help all these people because I care about people. I don't want to see people suffering from health issues that can be cured. However, healthcare is so expensive and a lot of people can't afford it. And so when I went to my appointment, I thought my doctor's appointment that I got my medication on would be covered by insurance. And then all of a sudden I got a bill for it and it was $261 for me to go in there and tell this doctor, hey, I'm feeling depressed. I think I need to try medication. And she goes, oh yeah, I think it's a great idea. Signs a piece of paper and sends me to Walgreens. It costs $261 to do that just for like 15 minutes of her time and not covered by insurance because we haven't hit our deductible. But I am fortunate enough that my parents were able to help me pay for this appointment with their health savings account, but not everyone has a health savings account. So no wonder why people don't want to get help because a lot of people can't afford just $261 to go to the doctor. A lot of people can't even afford the next meal that they're going to have. That I want to work to change so badly because it's just pushing more stigma onto mental health. And I think I'm going to make a whole nother episode on the healthcare system because I feel very passionate about that. I have a friend going into healthcare policy and she has a lot of information on that. So I might ask her to come on the um, episode with me. But I was just, my jaw literally hit the floor. And then my therapy is not the cheapest either because the, the better help doesn't get billed through insurance, unfortunately. And right now, when all the other options that do get billed through insurance are being utilized by everyone else, where do the other people go? A lot of people can't afford $200 a month to see a therapist. So again, these people aren't getting help because they can't afford it. But yet, so many people suffer from mental health issues. It doesn't add up and it never will. Why should mental health have a price? Why should it? Why does everything in our society have a price? And that's kind of getting off topic, but I just want to leave you all with that. 
because your mental health is a lot more than any monetary value that exists. And I want you to know that. I want you to know that you belong on this planet. You belong to be helped. You are not alone. And there are options, but there should be more options than that exist that can help more people because we all struggle with different things. Maybe not mental health, but you know, someone might have cancer or someone might have diabetes and those all cost money and it's just another thing. Like, you either pay it or you die and that is not how it should be at all. So I'm just going to leave you with my thoughts on that because I often think about that. Um, However, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to today's episode. I know it was kind of a long one. Well, not really long because it's what I kind of want my episodes to be around 30 to 40 minutes. Um, And I feel like this story was very important to share out to the world. And I hope you guys feel the same. Again, just remember you're not alone. There are resources out there for you. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. You guys are amazing people. And I'll talk to you next Saturday.